You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Episode number 15 of Hawk Talk. As the announcer said, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi with you now. So excited for today's guest. And Greg, before we bring our guest in, good to see you, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. I was just adjusting my headphones. And I have them like all the way down, which makes me think I have a little head, but I know I don't. So the people have to open the headphones all the way. How massive must their heads be? Well, as one of those people, <laughs> I will tell you, it's part my giant head, mm-hmm. part Great the hair, hair that resides Great on head top head of it. And I've, I've learned over the years to keep a high headset to not, when you leave a broadcast, you don't want that indent in your hair. Mm-hmm. So... You know, we all can't relate, but I understand. We have our own struggles. We all do. I love it. I love it. All right. That clears that up. It's funny. Every week there's something, right, that comes along. That's what the beauty of the show. I can't believe we've done 14 of these already, by the way. It's awesome. It's it's awesome. And I think people like them. I like doing them. You like doing them. Yeah. And people are downloading them. I mean, the numbers bear it out. The numbers are pretty good. I'm pretty. I would like them to be better. And we're going to we're going to think about how to promote a little bit more. I might get one of those planes that flies across the uh, the ocean when you're laying on the beach. And just listen to the Hawk Talk podcast. That's not a bad. Is that idea. a good use of university funds? <laughs> can I explain? Can I talk Jeff into into allowing that? I, I think so. I mean, yeah, summertime. Why not? Sure. Any of the good shows out there. Season one, it always you got to work some things out. Season two, because it's only season one, right? We're mm. playing that game. Mm, okay. Se- season two next year, if we get picked up again, it's going to be huge. Well, I, I was talking to uh, the person who coordinates it, and he told me that we were definitely gonna, <laughs> we're going to. We're on again. We're on again. Well, we're so excited to bring our guest in for this 15th episode, this week's edition of Hawk Talk. And there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes in college athletics that I think people hear, but they don't fully understand. I also think there's other things going on that people, again, they have an idea of things, but really what we want to do with our guest today, and we're so happy to bring in our coworker and Jennifer Sansevero, who will join us, the Senior Associate Athletic Director for Student Development, the SWA here at Monmouth University with the Athletic Department. So uh, it's important, I think, because Jen's going to educate a lot of us on this episode. And Jen, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. It's great to be with both of you guys this afternoon. Thanks for having me. And, and thank you. Uh, sometimes we have these talk talks planned out like weeks in advance. And sometimes things just fall through the cracks. And then we're like, wow, we really need to get a guest. And I we had been wanting to have you on since you are a kind of new. I mean, it's not really because it's March or whatever day it is, April. But um, you're a really important cog to this this machine that we have that's Monmouth Athletics and Monmouth University. So uh, you were definitely on the list to get in here, uh, and it was just your right day. I'll tell you what, I'm still a freshman, and I'm still enjoying being being new, um, and I've enjoyed my time being here and, and being a Hawk, and it's just been a great experience. And getting to work with guys like you and Eddie, I'll tell you what, that's, uh, that's you know, first class. It's first class. Like that. Well, we appreciate that. And, you know, I I think so many people that are fans of Monmouth, fans of college athletics, you know, I think one of the most interesting things that they don't understand about the industry that we all find ourselves in is really how it's structured. And I think people, you know, job titles don't uh, match up to the corporate world and things like that. And um, really all you need to know, and it's where we're going to start our conversation with Jen, is, you know, when you hear what someone does, it rarely dictates the uh, entirety of their job. And I think no one maybe defines that more than, than Jen and what you do. And like Greg said, not a whole lot of time here, but you've really kind of dove in to Monmouth athletics and got to learn the personalities that make it up and the coaches and everyone and the student athletes. Uh, and you know, you've got a lot of experience at other institutions. So when you came in to Monmouth, you know, and, and being aware of, of the school and knowing, you know, many of us as you did, how has those first few months kind of matched up with your expectation coming into it before we get into really the, the nitty gritty details? It's been coming home. You know, it's it's coming home back to Monmouth County. You know, I grew up in Monmouth County. I went to high school um, at Raritan High School and played three sports there. And, you know, Monmouth has always had such a great reputation and the athletic department uh, specifically, it's just been a, a coming home. And, you know, I just love kids. I love helping student athletes. I love being part of a culture of excellence here at Monmouth. Um, you know, Dr. Leahy and the administration 
at the university have been so welcoming um, and the coaches and, and student athletes here have just been awesome to work with. So you come over by from nearby Wagner College, former rival, probably duck, duck us in football a little bit now. <laughs> probably, <laughs> but, probably, he says. But um, seriously, though, uh, you know, obviously you were aware of Monmouth and, and what did this what did this opportunity allow you both professionally and personally um, and what made Monmouth made, made it an interesting position, especially, you know, with a brand new athletic director? Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Greg, you know, coming in and working with Jeff and having the history of Dr. McNeil's leadership and, and toolage, um, the history of athletic success here at Monmouth is, is obviously attractive. And again, I go back to the staff. Um, you know, I've always felt at home here since the day I got here. People have been so welcoming, so friendly, and it's just been fun. You know, it's fun to win. It's fun to be part of college athletics. You know, we often don't talk about that um, because it, it is a hard job. It's a hard job, as you both know, but um, it's a lot of fun. And it was attractive to come be part of a competitive school that's going through a transition in, in leadership and now in a transition of conferences, right? So, um, you know, I'm always somebody that, that enjoys a challenge, that enjoys building, um, every place I've been, I've kind of enjoyed that process. So, um, you know, when I went to UNCG, uh, Kim Record, the director of athletics there, had just gotten hired uh, recently. So part of a building there um, and then was building departments at places I've been. So that's really attractive here. And seems to be kind of a, of a theme in some of the previous, you know, stops that you've had. And now here at Monmouth, I think it's interesting, the duality that Monmouth is. It is a place that has, you know, longstanding people in certain positions. But like you said, you know, Jeff's in his first year being, you know, being the athletic director. So there's the familiarity, but also it's the new and it's him kind of building that. So when he kind of sought out on the process, you know, take us through that interview process too, that, that you went through and being familiar with the school, but also now that has a new leader in Jeff Stapleton and athletics and president Leahy only in his third year, you know, how did that go for you and in, in kind of seeing Jeff's vision for athletics as it pertains to your position? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've known Jeff um, as a colleague for a long time. When I was at the Mount, um, my first job in college athletics, I was the SWA there um, and I got to know Jeff and, and Dr. McNeil um, through, at that time, the Monmouth was in the, the NEC conference. So I got to know Jeff and, and Dr. McNeil through that experience. And he's just, he is so, such a great leader um, and such a great person. It was so, uh, it was a no-brainer to come and work for him and work with him and, you know, be part of this transition. And it's so exciting. Um, he's just a great person and a great leader and a great teammate. So we throw around, and, and we were talking a little bit before we got on the, the air. <laughs> uh, we, we throw around the, the title of senior women's administrator, and I, and people who work in athletics obviously know what it is. I, I'd hope you know what it is. And I've worked um, for two female athletic directors, so I understand the importance of of the role. But just educate people a little bit on. on why everybody has that role, every athletic department in, in the universe, and the importance of it, and why you think it's so important, or like what piece of it that what piece of pride do you take out of being the senior women's administrator at a Division One university? Yeah, I mean it, it's a great time to talk about that right now, especially with the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Um, you know, it it came from that piece of legislation. Every NCAA institution has to have a senior woman administrator, SWA, for short. Um, it is somebody that is the highest ranking female on a, an institution's campus in the athletic department. And it's somebody that, in my opinion, advocates, supports, and, and works with our female student athletes, female coaches, and advocates for those programs. Um, it also, you know, we don't talk about this enough, I think, the men that champion those women's sports and those, the female student athletes, you know, working with them. Um, we have amazing staff here, um, you know, coaches, student athletes. So I think it's really important to champion with 
um, you know, the, the men that are involved in, in also supporting and advocating for, for women's sports and, and women, female student athletes. So I think it's just as important there. Um, you know, I think I, I take my role really serious. Um, you know, I, I try and do my best to be somebody that is a mentor to our, our younger staff, our student athletes here, um, somebody of support for our, our coaches. Um, you know, I was a student athlete way back in the day. I was a student athlete myself. Um, I was a coach and, uh, you know, I went to law school. I'm a lawyer. So, and now I'm an administrator. So I feel like I can wear a lot of different hats. I feel like I can connect with student athletes and coaches on a lot of different levels. Um, and it just helps, I think, in the holistic experience. I mean, my job is to, to advocate and work with student development. And I think the SWA role really lends itself nicely to, to that responsibility. And similarly, I think where people are learning maybe for the first time what an SWA is, I think when they hear phrases like student development, it's the same thing, right? You may have a, a preconceived notion what that means in your mind, but, you know, Jen, that encompasses so many different areas, right? As we all know and see every day, but, you know, that it's not limited to just, you know, academics or it's not limited to just compliance. It's limited beyond those two words into everything else. So uh, as it's been your professional kind of journey to go through all that and to get here, you know, the, the student development piece has really grown from when the first time you were in SWA to now, hasn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I mean, talk about what we've been through specifically in the last couple of years, going through a global pandemic, going through social justice challenges, going through the mental health crisis that we're going through. Um, you know, you have to develop as an administrator, as somebody who works in college sports to understand what the student athlete is going to through and providing a holistic support network and program for them. Um, you know, it's just a, a passion of mine. I, I love, you know, discovering and developing champions in life and, you know, career development, life skills, learning to, to see student athletes grow from 18-year-old freshmen to 23-year-old grown men and women, um, you know, is just something that's powerful, I think, and, and what's great about college athletics. And, and I think that there could be a, a misconception from people on the outside looking in that a senior women's administrator only cares about women's sports. They, they're only there to support the women's coaches, the women's student athletes. And A, that's not true. And B, it's certainly not true um, in, in your case, because I, you know, I think you deal regularly with some of our football and men's basketball student athletes in the areas of personal development and, and academic support and all those kind of things. So um, how do you balance that? Like, how, how do you, you know, you, you obviously want to be the person that all of our, our female coaches, our women's coaches come, come and meet with because they should. And uh, even, you know, obviously a sport that I supervise in women's across, like our coach is, is always talking with you and she absolutely should. And, and I encourage it. And obviously Jeff encourages it. Um, but how do you kind of balance that? Like, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm here. My job is here for all, I don't know what we have 600 student athletes, not just, not just the, the women. That's a great point, you know, and I think the senior women administrator position was to cre created to provide a different perspective, the female perspective. It's not necessarily, okay, I'm only responsible for female student athletes or teams or coaches. It's to provide a diverse perspective, somebody sitting at the table, offering that perspective. And I think a person with, you know, now diversity, equity, inclusion, people with different perspectives just contributes to a culture of excellence. And here at Monmouth, we do a phenomenal job of advocating and promoting that. And I think having a female work with some of those high profile sports like men's basketball, football, baseball, and having them work with somebody with a different perspective, somebody that can reach them or connect with them on a level that maybe their, their male coaches, administrators, staff, counterparts might not be able to. Um, and I think, you know, that just provides, again, that holistic student development experience. And that's just something that I, I, I love to do. And, you know, I, I don't know if I can tell this story on here or not. Maybe you're going to get me in trouble. But, you know, I was at a basketball game and, you know, you develop relationships and rapport with student athletes. And I had my daughter, my six-year-old daughter at the game with me. And I'm sitting in the stands and, 
you know, it's halftime and they're throwing t-shirts out and stuff. And, uh, my daughter was standing on the, on the chair and trying to get a t-shirt and didn't, didn't get one. And the mascot didn't come over. Well, literally 30 seconds later, one of our men's basketball players comes over with the mascot and a t-shirt and gives it to Chloe, you know? So it's like, it's, it's something like that. Those are relationships and those are situations and moments and memories that you'll, you'll have forever. And Chloe will have, you know, and it's, it's being able to be in that perspective and share those moments with those guys. Cause it's just as important as advocating and promoting our women's sports. And I think, you know, you bring up a really good point. And this is something that Dr. McNeil always kind of drilled in us, but, but obviously Jeff has, has kind of pushed along too, like th- that family atmosphere uh, of Mammoth, like, and, and you'll know in a few short weeks what that's like, but uh, you know, Marilyn knew that we spend a lot of time here. And that means that every minute you're here, you're not with your family. You're not helping your spouse out. You're not driving kids around or staying homesick with them. And she always made it really clear that people's families are welcome here. And obviously, Jeff, if you go to any basketball game, his entire squad uh, is here, uh, you know, cheering on the Hawks. And, and so it's awesome that you've been here. And now Chloe's a part of the family. And, and, um, it's just good to hear that our that our and our our kids get that like our, our 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 players get that. I bring my son to a football practice. Every single kid comes over and says hello, ask him his name, all that kind of stuff. It's just it's indicative of the type of student athletes that our coaches recruit uh, here, and and that I think our student athletes appreciate what the people in this office building um, do for them. Well, and I think that's something though, Greg, that we've seen a lot more. I would say over the last five to 10 years, as students have gotten more involved with us, student athletes, you know, you've seen them in the offices more, you know, internships and, you know, kind of taking more of an interest. And I know that was kind of, uh, and Jen, maybe you could speak to it as a former student athlete, but, you know, I remember we had like that first student intern, student athlete intern kind of come back and go, you know, I had no idea that all of this went on in preparation to play games and it's everything right from, you know, eligibility to the marketing of it, to the communications, to the broad, everything that goes into it. Did you kind of, to kind of switch gears, I guess, for a second, did, did you know that in your time as a student athlete? And then now on the other side of it, kind of how interesting it is to see our student athletes go through it. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, and I was a, a student athlete at Mount St. Mary's university and my athletic director, the athletic director now Lynn Robinson was in my position um, as SWA when I was there. So, you know, it was, it's, it was really interesting that that was my first job in college athletics. I was a student athlete there. I watched her. I had a relationship with her as the SWA. And then I got to work with her, um, you know, as an athletic director, a female athletic director, you know, that was really cool. So to be on the other side of it is way different, um, you know, and you just become so much more appreciative and you see it in our student athletes. They are just they really are. They're grateful for the experience. They're grateful for the staff that really cares about them. And Greg, I think you, you're totally right that Mammoth is truly a family atmosphere and our, our student athletes are part of that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I love the fact that we have student athletes that are comfortable enough to come in and say hello and hang out for a couple of minutes and all that other kind of stuff. It's just, it's why you work in this job. And I think it's why, this situation is unique. You know, people think of college athletics and they probably picture, you know, certain levels where one team is at one facility all day or another team is at another facility all day. But no, you come into this building and you're seeing pretty much all of our coaches, Mm -hmm. all of our administrators kind of mixing. So I know at times we all wish we had more, you know, time to ourselves, right, to get things done. And specifically, I know you too, you have coaches and student athletes in your offices all the time. I can thankfully hide in the back sometimes. <laughs> um, but it, it does make this place, I think, very unique, different, and for better, you know, and, and better, quite frankly, than yeah. other ones. Because otherwise, you know, Greg, how would we ever get to know some of the student athletes that maybe don't get all of the accolades, right? Or don't get some of the, the attention maybe that other ones get. Right, or ones that we travel with or right. work directly with constantly. It's it's actually one of the reasons why we started this podcast is because we knew that there were um, a lot of stories out there to, to tell on this on these teams. And even if we just, you know, we have a student athlete probably – every other week on the podcast, you know, just getting to know one of them a little bit more. And it's just, you know, there's 500 of them, so we can never do it, but, uh, five, 500 plus, but if we get to 500 episodes, we definitely have to get into syndication, right? Like we need to start 
if that's even a thing in the podcast world. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I will, we'll work on it. Listen, We're, I'm just happy to be at number 15. Yeah, 15 and going strong. You know, and Jen Sansevera is our guest on this week's episode of Hawk Talk. And, you know, Jen, some of the things that you mentioned earlier before we kind of got off on, on the most recent conversation, I, I think really kind of stood out with me. And, and, you know, mentioning the different, I think, challenges that different, college athletic departments face as your role sees. And you kind of went through them, right? Coming out of the health crisis that we were in, the social justice crisis that we were in. But I think, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, you know, college athletics may be in this sense kind of led the way beforehand, you know, because there was a senior women administrator because of things like title nine, I think it's all conversations that we've all been having for way more than just the last two years, maybe not so much in the corporate world and you were in the corporate world. So you kind of know, but, do you feel like in that regard, college athletics and working with the student athletes does kind of have, a, I, I guess, I don't want to say a leg up, but we're having those conversations before everyone else did because of the makeup of these departments? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think the NCAA, as much as it's criticized for the different things that it's been through and goes through from a management standpoint, I think, you know, you get in that locker room, it it equalizes a lot of things. And you know, our coaches and student athletes have been continuing to work through a global pandemic and all of those other challenges. I think it's the the ultimate equalizer, college sports. Um, and it starts conversations before, like you said, it gets to corporate America and, you know, the SWA position or designation comes out of Title IX. I think there's going to be a, a senior level minority administrator position being voted on here in the next couple of weeks at, you know, the council, Division One council. Um, where that's also another another designation that's that's going to come from, you know, these conversations and some of these challenges that we've been through. So I definitely think college sports takes the initiative um, and leads the way. Yeah. And, and Greg, it's so interesting, you know, to, to see all this happen. I think conversations that we've all even had with colleagues, with student athletes over the last couple of years um, have helped, I think, a lot of, you know, what we kind of the prism we look through it through, you, you know, it's it when you're talking to a student athlete who has many different experiences than we have and then vice versa, I, I really feel like, and I thought that throughout the whole process, like, you know, these were things that we were talking about. I mean, in my short career, five, 10, 15 years ago, but goes back even way before I'm sure, you know, coach Callahan had these conversations 25 years ago with his student athletes. And, um, yeah, I, I always found that interesting, this kind of world, this small little bubble we find ourselves in. It's very diverse and in, in the conversations that we get to have. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when you talk about uh, athletic departments, I I think these issues have always always been around, but I think it's really the last, like, 10 years that ath athletic administrators and student-athletes have really recognized that, you know, I don't want to call them role models, but they definitely have a voice uh, to talk about these issues, and it's no longer the, you know, shut up and dribble mentality. Now it's the, oh yeah, you dribble and score, score points. So let's use your voice to whatever. Talk about an underrepresented, underrepresented, represented, ugh, underrepresented group or uh, bring some issues to light. And, you know, sometimes those difficult are really, those conversations are really difficult, especially really difficult to have publicly when we're recording them or we're having them on a podcast or where whatever it's, 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 it's takes a lot to, to look at yourself in the mirror and say, and I'm not talking about me personally, I'm talking about as a department, as a university, as a culture, as a county, as a town, as a country to look at yourself in the mirror and say like, Whoa, like things are not what we want them to be. And, and I think it's these student athletes and a lot of times our coaches that are stepping up and, and being in the forefront of that. And um, it's really, a, I think an interesting and rewarding part of our jobs to be able to be a part of that conversation and maybe in some kind of small way, make the world a little bit of a better place and then go out and dribble and score buckets. Yeah. You can do both, right? You can have meaningful conversations, still play your sport. Um, you know, Jen mentioned, and, and we mentioned earlier, you know, th this year is, it's a groundbreaking year, right? It's the 50th anniversary, as Jen mentioned, of Title IX, right? And, and of gender equality in sport. And I think much like the letters SWA and your job title, I, I think the, the common fan doesn't really even understand the true impact that Title IX has. You know, I think people hear that phrase 
and they assume it to be whatever it is in their own life. But, you know, Jen, as, as someone who was a student athlete, who was a coach, who, like you mentioned, your journey through college athletics, you know, how, how significant is the 50th anniversary of Title IX? And I think the theme that we've all seen, not where we need to be, but getting to a better place, but curious to get your perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we talk about leadership and what is leadership and it's empowering others uh, to, to be better, to grow, to develop. Um, and I think, you know, we are in a place that we're doing a better job of that. And like Greg said, you know, you're giving student athletes and coaches and, and, and staff the ability to be empowered. And I think, you know, the ability to do that consistently over time um, and get to a better place is, is something that we should be proud of. Um, you know, have, have things changed over the course of, of my career? Yeah, I remember when I was a little kid, I wanted to play baseball. Um, I was little, I was six years old, and I wanted, I, my best friend, my neighbor was a, a, a guy growing up, and I wanted to play baseball. And the, the town that I lived in, they, they said, no, you're a girl, you can't play baseball. Um, so, you know, a lot of times people talk about Title IX and what it means, and you know, they talk about it as it relates to cutting men's sports and, and it's got to be anti, anti certain other things, but it really is about access. It's about empowerment. It's about, um, you know, understanding, having the conversation, things being out there, um, you know, recognizing our, our female coaches, our female programs here at Monmouth, um, you know, they stand on the shoulders of giants, um, that have led, before, um, you know, in my time here at Monmouth, I've just been so impressed, so unbelievably impressed by the, the, the female leadership and the women's coaches and the women's programs here. Um, and that's not to take away from the men's programs and their success here. Um, but it's just to say that they're really strong, powerful, accomplished, driven, motivated women. Um, and their teams, you know, reflect that a lot. So, um, you know, there have been obviously changes and developments over the course of the last 50 years. You know, gosh, it's just, it's hard to imagine that it's been that long. Um, but we are, we're, we're getting better. We're getting to a better place. We've gotten to a better place. And, you know, I think Monmouth is a, a, a great place to be. What, um, there's two things I want to definitely cover before we uh, cut you loose. And you're not quite off the hot seat yet. <laughs> but um, I see you're taking notes over there. Taking the first person taking. ever to bring notes to the podcast. I know. I, I'm, I'm equal parts flattered and frightened because I, yeah, I have to make sure it's nothing. I'm a lawyer. Come on. That's well, so that's so that, <laughs> that's kind of where I wanted to go with this was that, um, you know, take us through your kind of, and you don't have to get, like your professional journey, right? You're a student athlete at Mount St. Mary's and then you jump into law school and then you have a really, what I think people would think is a cool job as an attorney. Um, they made a, a, a damn TV show about it. Uh, so go ahead, take us through kind of that. And then just why you got back into athletics, you don't have to go every stop, but why you got back into athletics. Sure. Um, you know, I, I watched the movie and you'll appreciate this, Eddie, a few good men when mm. I was 12 it's years old. It's a great 12. movie. It's a great movie. I was, that I, might even answer another question. What movie she kind of would. We're going to have to skip that one. <laughs> okay. Because she's okay. We'll get her on a different one. It's a one. must watch whenever we'll it's on. on okay. One. So. You know, a few good men when I was 12 years old and I said, you know, I want to go to law school. I want to change the world one case at a time. Um, and then, you know, it really, uh, it was, it was that mindset through college. Um, and then went to law school, got out, worked, um, for the JAG Corps. Like Greg said, it's, uh, like the TV show, just not as sexy, um, <laughs> in, in real life. Um, but worked for some absolutely amazing attorneys in the Fort Detrick JAG office. And it was an absolutely life-changing experience. I did every sort of imaginable kind of law you could think of patent law working for the, the department of defense and the U S army, um, you know, was an amazing experience, patent law, criminal law, labor law, and I actually was working right after nine 11. So, you know, we were at war. So it was a, an absolutely life-changing experience. Grew me as a professional in ways that I never thought possible and did every facet of law and then realized I didn't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> I think my dad's still upset about that. But, um, you know, realized through and through that I was an athlete 
and I just wasn't getting that satisfaction from the job of, of being a lawyer. And, you know, I, I, it just wasn't what I had expected it to be. And, you know, an, an opportunity became available at my alma mater in college athletics, working as an administrator in compliance. And I was like, gosh, that literally is the perfect job. It combines the skill set I learned in law school with a passion and a love I have for athletics. Um, and it was, in my mind, preserving the purity of college athletics, you know, compliance. A lot of people would say, like, no, you're the police and the bad guy. But in in my view, it was preserving the purity of college athletics. And I got involved in, you know, at that time, the compliance department, I actually worked with the um, sport management program, was involved in creating that at, at Mount St. Mary's um, and, and started doing some student development stuff there and just absolutely loved it. And I haven't looked back since. So that kind of leads to, to what my second question was going to be. What's, what is one part of your job that has kind of changed over the last, let's say, 10 years that you really spend more time on now than you did 10 years ago? Yeah, I think how you support student athletes now has completely changed. How you how you speak with them, how you support them, what their needs are, I think has changed. How you meet those needs, the involvement of of parents um, and career development and planning has changed. The career world has changed. The pandemic has really kind of changed things. How you interact the 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 faces, um, the platforms, the faces that you interact with or how you do that with student athletes, um, you know, and their awareness, I think, has changed a lot. So, you know, they are m- much more aware um, than I was when I was a student athlete. So I think, you know, that really, I spend a lot of time learning, you know, and I, it, you're, we're all s- students still, you know, it's, you, you sp- you work in college athletics, but I'm still a student every day and, and being around our, our kids, not kids, but young people, um, keeps me young. It keeps me learning. Um, and I think if, if, as long as you continue to do that, especially in a role that I have in working with student development, um, learning that kids, student athletes needs changes, how they communicate changes, um, and how you meet those needs changes, um, you know, I think is, is really important as an administrator. How um how important is the role of mental health at these days? I feel like we spend a lot of time as sports supervisors, as administrators, and I'm learning a lot in the last five years about like the needs of like what my children may be or may one day be in terms of mental health just from doing this. So, how important is that in in your role? It's absolutely critical. Um, it's absolutely critical to try and understand how you support the mental health of our of our, of students. You know, we're a university. I would say students, because our student athletes are a subset of the general student population. The challenges, the needs, the you know different things that they go through, good and 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 otherwise. I think it's you know. They are a subset or a subpopulation, and I think the mental health crisis in this country and worldwide is ultimately significant and critical, um, and how we try and support that, adjust that, and utilize resources for that um, will be really important for higher education institutions as well as athletic departments to um, you know, move forward in, in, in the near future especially, and I think you can kind of separated into two different groups or, or subcategories. I think you have, you have mental skill performance and mental health. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of our Olympic sports are now spending a, a lot of resources and effort to support professional Olympic athletes from a mental skill performance standpoint, from a mental health performance. I mean, it's now gotten global attention I mean, look at, you know, professional athletes that have had to take time off. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm glad to see that we're having the conversation now. I'm glad to see we're normalizing. It's okay to not be okay. But it's absolutely critical for higher ed and for college institutions, athletic departments, um, to support student athletes' mental health. 
in the point that you bring up with, it's something that we see with student athletes in our, you know, kind of smaller world as it pertains to the bigger picture of all students in general and really all of us in general, right? It's something that you can't go, you know, even a couple hours without seeing. And, and I think it's the messaging that's out there that I think, Jen, the point you make has, I don't want to say normalized it, but has gotten it into the conversation much more frequently, much more regularly, whether it's seeing Simone Biles at the Olympics or whether it's seeing uh, your favorite athlete go through something. I, I think this generation, however you want to word it, of student athletes and of young people, because they're growing up in that, is that making them almost more inclined to kind of deal with those issues more head on than maybe it did five, 10 years ago when it wasn't being talked about in the kind of national conversation? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you have, again, like Greg mentioned earlier, you have professional, college, amateur athletes now have a platform to have these conversations. And now we're saying, I have the courage and I'm brave enough to put this in the conversation. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to be vulnerable and, and I'm going to say it's okay to not be okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to take whatever I need from a mental health standpoint, whether that's a break or, um, you know, telling people that I'm not okay right now. Um, you know, I think that's really courageous. And for our, our college student athletes that have been able to do that, I just admire, um, and, and appreciate. To kind of shift gears just a little bit, uh and I, you know, we're so thankful for this conversation because like all the other ones, we get to learn as we ask questions, we get to learn from answers. But, you know, Jen, you, you've been at a few different institutions and you've seen how things are done at different schools and in different regions. But but I'm kind of curious, take Mammoth in this area out of it because this is home for you. Um, but through all of your travels, um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Give me kind of the best thing about those stops along the way that got you to this point, whether it was as a young administrator, you know, at the Mount or as a lawyer or at Greensboro at Wagner, you know, kind of what were those things that you kind of take away now to, to put you in this position that you're in? Um, obviously none of us are right. Like at the end of our careers or finished products, but you know, as you hope not, yeah, you're right. Exactly. As you've got to this point, you know, have you picked up those little things kind of across the way at those different stops, be it the regions they're in, be it the student athletes that you dealt with, or even the make makeups of those institutions that kind of have got you to this point. Yeah, that's a great question, you know, and I think I'll, uh, I'll say that every place I've been and every experience I had led me to exactly where I am and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, you know, and, and I, I just love that and I find peace in that Eddie, you know, and I'll say the, the biggest thing, or one of the biggest experiences I had that, that allowed me to become the, the person and administrator I am is being a mom, you know, and I, I'm so excited for you, um, you know, in the next few weeks that you get to experience some, some really amazing things, but being a mom. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. You, There's, you no to respond. <laughs> There's no way to respond. I'm sorry, Jen, you're being I'll real be, serious. I had to jump in like a I, jerk. I will be supporting a great mom yeah. by hopefully being a good dad. Yeah. Sorry, Jen, go ahead. Being a parent. I should have said that. <laughs> um, by being a parent, you know, it just, it allows you to, to you know, be become more empathetic, um, to become, you know, your heart literally lives outside your body, I think. And, you know, I think some of the different things I've, I've learned, I, I was a young administrator, my first job with, with Lynn Robinson at the Mount as, you know, somebody who could watch a female, brand new female AD and be part of that was, was really cool, especially at that time as a young administrator. Um, you know, I got to work with, with Kim at, at UNCG and she's just a, a, an amazing professional who demands excellence. And, and that was a perfect time for me at that time. You know, that was 10 years ago already. Gosh. Um, you know, just got me to that next level. Um, you know, then I, I, I was uh, at Wagner, you know, and was able to really get to a different level and build some different things and get some experience more in that student, student athlete performance, mental health, sports administration, um, you know, area. So I, I, like I said, I'm exactly where I need to be at exactly the moment I'm at. I think that's always so interesting, right? The the journey that you take to get to your spot and yours more so than everyone else's because of how much the experience is kind of varied. And 
Um, you kind of alluded to us a little bit earlier uh, with your one example, right? One of the one of the films that you would fun part. that you would enjoy. But the the cool thing about Jen that people need to realize, and if you haven't had a chance to meet her, talk to her at a game, it's when it's business time, it's business time, and you have to be serious about what you do. But you got to be serious about having fun as well. And I think that's mm -hmm. the important part. So you mentioned if you're kind of flicking around, you know, the one maybe Sunday a month, you're not doing work if that even exists <laughs> until August. Um, maybe you, you know, a few good men would stay on, but um, you know, take that one out of it. Now, what are you know maybe the shows or movies that are, that are kind of captivating you right now? I'll start with shows. Are you? Do you have time to binge anything? Is there any show out there that has your attention right now? Yeah, I'll, I'll say Chicago PD um, okay. is a, is a really good show. Um, you know, This Is Us. It, <laughs> if if we want to talk that, and then you don't get enough emotion at work, you have to go watch I This Is Us. Sits there and watches oh my that show. My wife like, watches it too. Yes. Tears coming Every down her time. face, and I'm like, Every I don't time. ever watch something to make me miserable. Well, you know, I, I go back to Jimmy V quote. Okay. Right. You, he says right. every day you got to find something that moves you to tears. Right. So, you know, my, this is us is my Jimmy V moment <laughs> of moving me to tears every okay. once in a while. Right. And uh, I'm Italian, I'm emotional, you yeah. know, I can't help it. Um, you know, so I think that, I think the bachelor, the bachelorette, like that's a classic, you know, I've enjoyed since I was in college. Um, and you need the break that reality TV brings. For sure. Absolutely. For sure. Um, you know, so those are some of my shows that I, that what I about watch. a movie other than let's take a few good men out of it. What's one movie you're flipping around watching and you have to stop and watch the rest of it once it's on. Remember the Titans. Oh, good one. Yeah. That's oh, a good one. It's yeah. a really good one. Or League of Their Own. It's another good one. I'm happy that you brought that one up because I, I don't know what I've been able to quote a League of Their Own since I was like eight. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's I remember I watched it in the movies. Yeah, and I think like, it was the, it was 1992. Must have been a re-release. Had the debate about the end of the movie. Did she let it go, or did she drop it? Where I do you fall in that debate? I don't want to you spoil it for Mark Mormon, <laughs> the only human being on Earth who hasn't seen it yet. We did this on a previous podcast. You said spoiler alert to Jurassic Park. It's right. like the movie's 30 years old. And he still hasn't seen <laughs> it. He's had ample time to right. see it. We talked about it at his house. He's still not seen Jurassic Park. Did Kit drop the ball, uh, or did Dottie Henson drop the ball on purpose or not? I'm going to ask you, Eddie. I'm the lawyer. I'm going to turn it back on you. What do you think? Good job. And maybe I'm in the minority with this. I think it was a straight-up great play. I think that ball came out on its own. I think the contact caused the ball to be dropped. It was a pretty big collision. She fell. You could see the ball kind of... And now everyone says her reaction at the end, she's smiling. I think that's the duality of being a sibling. Mm. It was a great play. The ball came out. She's happy for her sister. I don't think they're mutually tied together. I think they're exclusive. Okay. The cinematic moment they made of it, though, right? To, right. like, slow it down, to yes. be so dramatic. I think it was great. I mean, it was a great moment. I think... It's a great baseball movie. People don't realize that. It's, it's a not, baseball it's movie. It's not just a great movie. It's a great baseball it's a movie. movie. The, I always judge movies that, about sports by the reality or the um, the realism of the action. I believe that movie. Like, maybe they're just great actresses. The scenes are believable. Like, you know, if someone throws a football in a movie, you're like, that's not, you don't throw a football that way. Right. That movie has very believable action. That's key. If and it's you, historic. Yeah. It's, it's very historic. historic. Have you ever been through the, um, their, in Cooperstown, their wing? Of course funny story i was there the weekend they opened it my high school team was playing a game in cooperstown we got smoked by the way we were playing a game in cooperstown we played red bank regional oh in cooperstown you played red bank so mammoth regional down the street. Yeah. played red bank regional in, in cooperstown on the historic field and mm. they were opening the wing of the all-american girls baseball league and we were couldn't care less about our game. We were like, who is Gina Davis? Where's Madonna's character? Like, we did that. It was 2001. If, um, if you told me that when I woke up today, I'd be breaking down the last scene, last baseball scene of a league of their own, I would have told you there's no shot and punched you in the face. And that's why it's a great podcast. It's a great podcast. All right, we, got, we have to get one more. One more of, of the fun questions. I have one. Do you have one? Uh, yeah. I mean, I the one I usually ask. But you the, can ask, and then I'll finish up. That's okay. Good. What is one thing about you? Could be a hobby. 
could be a special talent that most people don't know? I played the flute. <laughs> For how long? <laughs> Until through through high school. Whoa. First chair of flute, played performances and everything. Wow. While being like a student athlete and growing up. Three, that, sp- three sport duality. athletes in high school. Yep. Um, why? Can I, I love, ask? I love music. Yeah. I love that. But the flute? Yeah. I don't know why. Like, Just was the that the first instrument you picked up? No, it was intentional. Okay. Well, you get the recorder. Everybody gets right. the recorder. Right. Yeah. You yeah. play hot cross buns and you, and you yeah, know, it's like solid. a solid, it's like solid. a plastic. It's the last instrument I played. Chloe has one. Flute clarinet deal. The recorder game. Like there's no, after you're like, however old, like you said, Chloe six. Yeah. But if she's seven, she doesn't even know the recorder. Yeah, anymore. The only two people that ever play a recorder are little kids. And then those, the mythical satyr, like goat <laughs> person with the goat feet. Yes. That's who plays a recorder. That's a reference. And then you move on you like that. And then you move on to the flute. But I think, you know, there's something in the mastery of that and the practice mm-hmm. and like just the individuality. I think I just really liked still do. My kids don't play any instruments. And I think it's because I, w- I don't want to sit there and listen to them practice in my house. <laughs> right. You don't have a soundproof room. Yeah. Right. I'd be like, <laughs> take the flute down the street and sit on the neighbor's lawn and play them serenade them with your noises god bless tony and tom san severo ah. i'll tell you that <laughs> so you love music it leads me into something i'm super curious about when you were a student athlete did you have a playlist did you have set songs that you listened to and your walkman yeah, exactly, yeah right in a cd player right right remember that you'd have to carry a catalog oh. of cds these kids do not know the struggle no. young people was there like a set playlist of songs that you would play and then kind of continue that now? Kind of what's what's in your, you know, what's in your ear when you work out now? Yeah, I'm, I'm my my walk up song was Enter Sandman. Like, wow, Rivera. Right. So yeah. are you a Yankee fan? Oh, my God. No okay, good. flute in that. No flute in that. No That's flute. why we got along right away. Yes. Um, but yeah, now it's now the playlist is a little bit different. You know, I went to college um down south it was technically below the mason dixon line um there's a little bit more country i you know i went to college i never listened to country. well out there there's definitely a lot of country yeah and then going to greensboro you know <laughs> right. i went to my first country concert jason aldean and so there's a lot more country in the mix um i say there's still some like oldies from like my my dad growing up like as an uh, italian you know sure. there's some oldies mm. in there there's some classic rock there's some hip-hop i think you know try and Vary it up. A little bit of everything, yeah. What about you? Oh, I, well, I, I have a weird... I love, and Greg, it's the, probably the one thing that he doesn't like about me the most, but like if we're driving in my car together, I love R&B music. <laughs> of course <laughs> you do. Love like, love it. Of all, of all like, from it. the 80s through now, and I don't really have an explanation why, but the same. It's hip-hop. It's the music that your parents listen to. I, I My parents listen to a whole lot of... Um, you know, kind of like Motown back yep. in the day, yep. Mine right? Too. Mine yeah, too. so so, so that's good. yeah, that's kind of a thing. You know, it's not little boys to that. men. You got oh, a little... I mean, of course, <laughs> I consider Love myself it. a bit of a of a of a hip hop and R and B from the eighties and nineties, kind of like a story in a little bit. <laughs> if you check him out on Twitter, you will catch it every once in a while. Oh, well, the other night we were the other night you were at we were at the All Seasons Diner. The All Seasons Diner, that's where you were. They play, you know, they had some Prince going, and oh. you know, my wife d- doesn't love Prince, and she has to deal with me loving Prince. Whoa. She, she's like, he's okay. I'm like, no, he's a genius. You'll you you have time this. to turn her. Yeah, to well, turn. absolutely. You know, they, it was a little when doves cry. I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's great too. I'm, I'm gonna flip it over to you know to Greg. <sighs> um, I, I mean, listen, I play music in my office all the time. <laughs> I, I'm 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 a music weirdo. Like I'll listen. I listen to Tool a lot, and I listen to The Grateful Dead a lot. <laughs> and there probably are not two bands that are are further apart. Yeah, really. I mean, at least from the surface, if you really know about music, Tool is a lot more progressive than you think they are. It's not just loud music. Um, but I'll listen to hip hop. 
I'll listen to new hip hop, which my I think my you wife, give new hip hop more of a chance than I yeah, do. Yeah, I think it's just because I'm around the football guys all the time, and like you know they're listening. You know our players are listening to different stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's not that bad. And and it, my wife is perplexed by it because she just doesn't want to listen to that ever. Um, <laughs> she doesn't want to listen to Tool ever either. But the the hip hop thing, she, she really just scratches her head about. Uh, but I listen to everything. Like I call myself listening to Poison the other day nice. because I was watching. Um, I can't even think of Peacemaker on. Um, on HBO Max, it's it's a really funny is that the off one with- the wall show with John Cena. Yes, it is it's hilarious. a really funny off the wall show, and he listens to a lot of eighties rock, and he's like listening to Cinderella, and I was like, man, I used to have that album. And then like I'm looking on Spotify, and like I put Poison on when I was like jumping in the shower or whatever, and I'm like, holy crap, I'm like an old man listening to Poison, like it's really weird. But I listen to a lot of stuff. I'll, I, we play this game, my friends and I, uh, like what is the most embarrassing bands that you really like that you don't want to tell Ooh, people? That's a great game. And we Ooh. can rap on that. We've gone a little long, and I know Jen's got a lot of things to do. Um, but <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this over a podcast. But I will listen to the band No Doubt. Okay. Ooh. A lot. Okay. Not a lot, but like if it comes on, I'm listening to it. And, sure. And that's probably my one, the, my number one band that like, if someone was like, who, who do you never want anybody to know you listen to? I just said it over a podcast, but that's mine. Okay. That's really interesting. That is interesting. No, no would doubt. Not, I would Stefani, not yeah, that. I love it. I love their music. It's also. I celebrate their entire catalog. <laughs> do you? Spiderwebs was a little, a little much for me. Nah, let's do it all. Just a girl. I uh, played that in the song the other day, Cass. My daughter's laughing at me. She's like, you like this song? I was like, yeah, I like it. <laughs> That's great. Girl, I love that. Girl, man. But, you know, Jen, we, we like Greg said, we really appreciate the time. Wait, wait, wait. Nobody else is going to share what they're embarrassing me. <laughs> oh, he caught me. I was yeah. trying to end it there. Get the heck out of here. I'm not just opening myself All up. All I listen to is embarrassing music. I mean, like, yeah, what do you, I just open up my phone, go to <laughs> pick it. Like, you know, any boy band from, you know, the right, 90s. That's oh, that was mine. I definitely went to a Backstreet Boys concert. and Yeah, but how long ago? No, but I still listen to the okay. Backstreet Boys. Fair yeah. enough. Yes. Fair enough. I, I mean, take your pick. I listen to all of them, right? The Backstreet Boys, In Sync, 98 Degrees, all of that. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. I feel. It's I suddenly Shea. feel yeah. so much better about No Doubt. That, you said No Doubt. I didn't even react. I was like, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's great. And he said it was bad. I was like, oh, you don't want to look at my Spotify. <laughs> it's embarrassing. People are like, you listen to that alone? Like, well, there's no one else in the room? Like, no, nah, it's just me. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, fair enough. Well, now that we've discovered all of that, we really do, though, Jen, appreciate, you know, not only just your time, but kind of taking people into the world more so of college athletics and and really what your job, which, again, you can't draw that line to anything in corporate America right now that exists and and what it entails on a day to day basis. We appreciate it. I know the listeners do, too. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Good time, guys. Thank you. And we'll be back with a little bit of wrap up, quick wrap up this week. And uh, get you ready for the weekend. Well, we want to thank Jen Sansevero again for joining us. And it, not only has it been great for Greg and I to work with Jen every day and see how much she cares about the student athletes at Monmouth, but it. to have time with her. And, you know, Greg, I think she has such a unique perspective, like she said, because of all of her different experiences. Yeah. And, and, it was not hard to see come across on the podcast, but if you work with her every day, like her love and her passion and her fire for the student athletes may be honestly unmatched of anybody I've ever worked with in my 20 whatever years of, of being a college athletics administrator. She literally will stay here all night to help these kids. And we are very lucky to have her. Um, we're really lucky that that you know last minute kind of we got her to apply for the job and Jeff was able to woo her and, and get her to take the job because she is making this place better every day she's here and I don't even just say that lightly and I'm not blowing smoke um, I really do believe that couldn't agree more in in the time I've worked in college athletics there is no one who has cared more about every student athlete. And by the way, doesn't just talk the talk, but walks the walk. Like yeah. you said, a lot of times is the last car in the parking lot um, than Jen. So we really appreciate her joining us. And hopefully you got just a little bit more of an inside perspective of of the her role in college athletics. Um, got to, Greg, talk about, we discussed it on last week's podcast when we had Tony Musket on. Um, you know, the, the two huge important days that the university had in giving days last week and the job that was done 
by the university, but mainly and, and specifically by our coworkers in athletics. What a great two days it was. Yeah, it really was. And, and I really want to say thank you to, <clears throat> excuse me, all like 730 donors or whatever it ended up being. Um, even after the event was over, some donations were rolling in that people were just late or uh, that couldn't get through the payment system or whatever the issues were. Um, but it, it was just a, a really awesome, record-breaking two days. We've only really been doing this Giving Day thing for two years. Uh, last year was a little crazy because it was right in the middle. I think on one of the Giving Days, we were literally flying to Sam Houston uh, to, to play Sam Houston in the FCS playoffs. So uh, that kind of took everybody's attention away. But but the people in athletics did an excellent job, yourself included, and uh, Ken Taylor and, and um, Gary Kowal and Mark Mormon and, and Benny Kanzler was awesome. And the people in athletics and our coaches were amazing, reaching yes. out to their alums. And, and really our alums are, are what made it. Like they're the ones that gave back. And some of our current parents gave, which was awesome. Like you don't have to do that. A lot of those people, most of those people are paying tuition. Um, and, and all this money does go right back to the student athletes and to make their experience here at Monmouth better. So. I know you got some figures for us. Well, over $127,000, nearly 800 total gifts that came in. And like Greg mentioned, this money goes right back to the student athletes. I don't even know if we publicized the goal, but we exceeded the lofty goals that we had. And like Greg and I were just talking about before we came on the air, all this means is we as an entity are even hungrier for the next opportunity because what's the thing about athletics? What did Marilyn teach us and Jeff is doing now? It's constant competition. So we yeah. know now that's great. We appreciate everyone's gift. Now we know the mark to beat in the future. Yeah, that was in, that's in the rear view now. And it, and it was great. Had some celebrations and, and felt good about that. And there's a lot of, Thank yous going out in the next, you know, couple of weeks. Uh, but that night I was sitting there thinking, okay, what could we have done different? How could we reach more alums? How could we empower some of our alums to get more of their classmates involved? Um, so I, I just wanted to say thank you. And we definitely need to talk about uh, how, how amazing it was. And, and one of the greatest part was just, and I know you have this too, is just reaching out and talking with some of the people who, who have affected my life from Monmouth in the last 16 years. Uh, former student athletes uh, on the football and the women's lacrosse side for me specifically, and uh, maybe some, some donors that I hadn't talked to in a little bit. And uh, it, it's just really awesome that these people gave their time. And, and it wasn't even about the dollar amount. The dollar amount was impressive for Monmouth and impressive for just starting this thing off in two years. But um, it was really more about the number of gifts and the people who, who gave uh, back to athletics. That was a huge win for Monmouth University and for Monmouth University Athletics last week. Um, as you all know as well, not just, and we appreciate everyone that subscribes, rates, reviews, and listens to Hawk Talk, but also that supports the other podcast that the Athletics Department launched uh, almost right around the same time. And it's, you know, it's the King and Badger podcast with uh, our coworker Gary Kowal and Coach King Rice. And, you know, they kind of had their, their season wrap-up conversation uh, this week, I know it's out there now wherever you get podcasts. And, you know, Greg, in that, which we really invite you to listen to because you can hear kind of the long-winded, um, you know, conversation that Coach Rice had. But I know it was important for us to be able to, uh, with our platform here on Hawk Talk, discuss kind of the end of that season for Monmouth that we know didn't end as well as we would have wanted and and some things kind of after that that Coach Rice goes into that I know we wanted to talk about as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that... Um that episode's really good because Coach Rice talks about, uh, you know, UNC against one of his very close friends is Shaheen Holloway, the, the head coach at St. Peter's, who everybody knows made an amazing run. Um, so he talks about that. But I think something that I wanted to bring up is that Coach Rice in his press conference after we lost St. Peter's, obviously he's an ultra-competitive guy, said a couple things that were taken out of context and they were taken out of context because people were taking snippets of what he was saying and posting them on social media. And that comes with the territory and everybody knows that. But um, he really does clarify about what this place means to him and what the fans of this place means to him. And I, I think there were some people who kind of jumped to conclusions and, um, you know, only read a little snippet. And I think they owe it to him to go back and listen to that interview and let him explain where he was coming from and how much love he has for this university and the people who support this university. Um, and he goes into great detail on that. And he goes into detail about that for a while. 
Um, so that's just a snippet of, of the hour long conversation they had, but obviously I sit here and produce it. So I listen to it. Um, and, and I think people really would, would, if you were a fan of Mammoth basketball, you need to go listen to that, that episode. He also talks about, you know, the future of, of some of the guys on the team and who's going where and that kind of thing. So make sure you do that. It's the King and the Badger podcast. It's wherever you get podcasts. You're going to find it in the same places that you find Hawk Talk. We appreciate you uh, listening to not only Greg and I, but our guest, Jan Sansev- Jen Sansansevero. Uh, Greg, as always, man, it's great to catch up. It's great to be able to do this. I look forward to the next one, and you know, these just get better and better, man. And, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to next week. production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.